0: Bow our heads to him just now, precious, wonderful, lovely Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we stand here this morning as a unified body of believers not doubters, Lord, not evil heart of unbelief, Lord, but believers. We believe that we can call upon your name, Lord, right now. Oh, we believe right now that it's not even a long distance phone call. I know that you fill all time and space, Lord, that you you are you you exist in such a dimension, Lord God, but with all my heart I believe you're in this room right now. That you're moving amongst your people right now, Lord God. What a heavenly place that you've created in this little room this morning, Lord God. What a what a place that you'd be pleased to dwell in. We know it's not the building. We know it's not the flooring, it's not the chairs, it's not the the way the building looks, it's not even the way the people look. It's the way of a heart that's been redeemed and and, and surrendered all that we are to you. We stand here today, Lord, and it's a fellowship and a communion with you, Lord God. All of our attention, all of our hopes, all of our thoughts, all that we are focused on you, Lord, that's what helps us slip into that other dimension, Lord. Lord, not being distracted this morning, not thinking about anything else, but only on you the day, Lord. One heart, one accord, one faith, one life, and that's your life, Lord Jesus Christ. we surrendered all that we are to you today, Lord, with our songs and our worship and the words that we've lifted in you, Lord. We said over and we said over and over, Lord, I give all that I am to you, Lord. I mean that with all my heart, Lord. My brothers and sisters this morning have stood here and testified the same thing. I surrender all to you. I withhold nothing from you this morning, Lord. What an atmosphere that creates that you'd be pleased to dwell in, Lord. Lord, many needs amongst your body this morning, Lord. Satan's trying to put sickness on many of us. But you're still the God that heals all of our diseases doesn't matter what it is, from a sniffling nose or congestion or, or cancer or, or whatever it might be. You're the God that heals all of our diseases. Your word says, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits this morning. Lord, we're not forgetting this morning your benefits. We're believing that if you made a promise, you're big enough to back it up, Lord. And we stand here this morning recipients of your power and your wonderful grace. Bless your wonderful name, Lord. Bless your wonderful name. Lord, as we change from this worship service, Lord, with all my heart that I believe you've inhabited our praise, you've tilled the ground up real good this morning, Lord. And I pray, Lord, as we trans- uh, we, we, we transition into the, the, the ministry of the word, Lord, let me step aside and, and you, the, the lion of the tribe of Judah, step forward. Break this bread of life to your people, Lord. Oh, we want to know you. And we want to be known of you, Lord. Bless your people today, Lord. Let us not get distracted. Let us let Satan have no traction here this morning, Lord. Let there be no spirit of critical. Let there be no nothing whatsoever that would hinder you, Lord. We come to see you, Lord. We come to hear from you. We come to praise you, Lord. And we adore you so much for your kindness, Lord. Lord, we bless your wonderful name. Bless my brothers and sisters as we stand here. Lord, have your way here today. I surrender all that I am. Circumcise not just my lips, Lord, but the ears and the hearts, Lord. Let us not just be a hearer this morning, but, Lord, let us take this word of life and become a doer, Lord. Have your way in our lives, we pray, in your precious, wonderful, and mighty, and matchless, most beautiful name I've ever heard. The Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord. Isn't it wonderful to know that you're in his presence this morning? Amen. Are you glad you've come to church? Praise the Lord. What a blessing. What a blessing. Do you feel blessed this morning? You might have walked in discouraged. You might have been walked in thinking about the tests and the trials that you've had to face and more that you'll have to face. But after a worship service like that, who cares? Absolutely, who cares? Don't matter what happens out there. What happens in here is what matters. The Lord Jesus chose to make himself known amongst his people this morning. Are you grateful? Are you grateful this morning? Would you rather he not showed up? Would you rather he not have inhabited your praise this morning? Would you rather have just been a, a cold, dead, formal religion, cold, dead God that you might be serving? Or do you want a God that will show up and inhabit your praise? Am I the only one? while you're standing let's just read one scripture this morning Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and most of us can probably even quote it without having to open your Bible but if you would just so you can put your eyes and your eyes can, can see as your ears hear in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth you may be seated this morning in the beginning, in the beginning. Thank you, brother man. Our, our title this morning, and I don't know how long it will take. Uh, I, I don't think I can get all this done in one service. There's no way I can get it all done in one service. There's a thought that is that has been in my notes that I've been working toward. Um, we, we preached on the the, the, the the our sermon for, I don't remember how many times, 10, 11, 12 services on are you serving the living God? And then the Lord put it on our heart to preach, Who is this Melchizedek? And we preached two of those, and we were just trying to very gently break into that and did not get very far, of course, into that. But that my, what I've been working in this thought in this precipice, and this will be our title for a little while, is Who is God? What is God? Where is God? Who is God? What is God? Where is God? And if you've looked back through my notes, you'll see that's been at the top under my title. And even to the point, I wasn't sure that this would become the title. I didn't know what the Lord would have us go in that in that manner. But I appreciate the leading of the Lord. Now we started. We want to start right there in the very beginning, and we we've already been working on that first part of who is God. There. I realize that each one of us, and we, we talked about, I think it was Wednesday night, about the different complexes and things that can get put on a person, and, even, and not even just a complex, but a complex is a thought. You understand that it acts actually is a thought. You ever understand that's what it actually is. It isn't someone doesn't pick up a piece of a complex and, and lay it over you. It actually exists and dwells in your mind. It's a complex is a thought that is put into your thought. And it's either something that you, uh, let's say, assumed on your own or someone else told you. You, you still follow me? So, so and, and I shared that with you about that, that escape artist that I, so we saw at the fair on Monday. And I, I found it very interesting watching him because I've been delivered just this year of several complexes in my life, what God has set me from. Complex I didn't even know was there. Uh, i I'll just share this. For one, I didn't realize up until just the last, I don't know, four or five Sundays that I had a complex about taking up tithes and offering. Is that not silly? Am I the only one who that thinks that's silly? I had no idea that it was a complex. I decided we'll have a box there forever, and we will only do the box, and we'll nothing but the box. Then I got to think, why am I against that? And I realized that because of complex I've had, you you understand, and I'm sure each one of your mind will jump to this. If I mention anything about tithes and offerings right now, you throw your guard up. He wants my money. Can you help it? Can you stop it? Can you, st- no, I know. It's just, it's just a reflex. If you throw your guard up, you're, you're expecting me to start saying you're not paying enough tithes, not paying enough offering. You know me hopefully enough by now that I don't want your tithes, I don't want your offering. that's not why I'm here. Now I do, I haven't realized, and it's something the Lord had to humble me in, and I'll say humble me in, I didn't realize what a blessing it was to have a place to be able to pay our tithes. And that's something I didn't realize. Now, we were we didn't have a church to go to for a while, so before the Lord started this, so we were saving our tithes, and when we started up here. So for me, like I've said, from my tithes, what I do with work and then what y'all pay in tithes, I take a tithe of what y'all pay in tithe, 10%, because that's an increase to me, and then my work, and what I do is I pay that to ministers. I don't like to say pay. I give that to ministers for ministering here, and that's from my tithe, and that's me paying a tithe. I don't take, we've not had to take uh, an offering from the church to be able to pay the minister <laughs> wrong or right this is what I do and, and if that offends you please forgive me but that's that's what I do and and in the offerings of the church they go toward paying for you know whatever we we have need of whether it's buying equipment whether it's um, buying supplies for a meal something along those lines and but but I didn't realize that even in myself I had a complex in that area and, and I'm just being honest with you this morning this is me. I, I'll go first. I had, a, that's just one complex I'm telling you about. Others I didn't even realize that I had. So in watching that man come out of those chains, he, uh, just for those who weren't here, he had a straitjacket on, and he had, he put it on himself. And that's what kind of caught me, is that he put it on himself. He let somebody else button it up. You see where we're going? He put it on himself. He let someone else button it up. And he's a, a pretty, I guess, pretty famous escape artist. But he said supposedly what Houdini had done, the straight jacket removed it in three minutes. And then so what he did, he added to the trick, uh, he puts 50 foot of chain on him. So you've got a straight jacket on. If you've ever seen a straight jacket, you're so bound down with this. You understand you're so bound down. This is a very natural type that, that all your mind ought to be screaming, something you've seen in your spiritual life, that it so has you bound down, and then he lets them put an extra 50-foot of chain. These two men wrap and wrap and wrap and wrap and then pull as tight as they can and put up tighter and then put a lock on him. And then he's got, you know, it says three minutes to get out of it. And I'm watching that. I'm like, he put it on. He let them tighten it up. <laughs> See, Satan has no power over you except what you give him. Again, I say this a lot, and I don't hope I don't wear you out on that, but, but the Scripture is true no matter what you're thinking. Luke 10 was not for the devil. He said, I give you power over serpents and scorpions, over all the powers of darkness. The Lord Jesus said, I give you power. He's not talking to Satan. He was just talking about in the previous verses how I beheld Lucifer fall from heaven as lightning. And he's not talking about that power that's imbued, that power that's given. He's not saying, oh, yeah, y'all listen while I talk to Lucifer. No, he's like, Lucifer, you listen while I talk to them. I give you power. And so Satan as the con, comes along in, and you let him do all these things, and you let him, and all you've got to do is stand up. No, that ain't me no more. I don't accept it. I don't accept it. Now, in the, for this man, in the, in the spiritual, <clears throat> in the natural, getting out of it, and, and what he had to do to jerk and jack his body around to get this thing off of him, it, it, it's kind of you know, almost scary to watch him do, to be able to contort himself to get it off. And, and that's in a natural sense where you don't have to do that. You simply say, don't belong to me. I don't belong to me. I think it was just yesterday. One of the, the quote of the day on Lifeline. I think we shared the WhatsApp that. <clears throat> Brother Bram said, you know, he said that, and I love a prophet makes things so very simple. Uh, you know, anybody here this morning suffering anything sickness wise? Okay, it's enough of us. I've got a, you know had a sinus infection, been struggling with. So the prophet was able to take something like that and tell you that all sickness is of the devil. All sickness is of the devil. So it doesn't matter, again, from a sinus, from a cold, to a cancer, to a man, whatever it might be, anything in between. And I do love the simplicity of our prophet, and I'll call him our prophet, that he would stand in that room and ask that angel Lord, he said, Now, wait a minute, you just said nothing was stand before my prayer. He goes so far to say even cancer, because he was a little bit dumbfounded. You're telling me that even cancer can't stand before our prayer. And the angel Lord said, even cancer. So. He was just the wave sheep for our generation. He was just the first fruits for our generation. So what the angel lord told him is for you as well. Do you understand that this morning? Do we need to spend some time on that? What the angel lord told him was for your life as well. He was just the first fruits of our generation, just like the Lord Jesus was all those years ago, to show that there must become a wave sheep for this generation. If you understand what that means to be a wave sheep, he went first. He went first. No different than Peter stepping out of the boat. Peter went first. It wasn't James, it wasn't John, it wasn't those. It was Peter that went first. There has to be somebody to go first. And Satan, well again, so so here's how the con man does. You Imagine the, the eleven on the boat. Man, look at Peter. Who does he think he is walking the water? What's this man thinks he's doing? Well, by the way, you know you can't do it. That's what he's telling the eleven in the boat right then. Yeah, you might be you you might see Peter walking, but but you can't do it, and he'll fall soon enough. Instead of saying, Man, you see that man walk on the water with the Lord Jesus? He went first. Peter had, a, Peter had a faith. Peter had a pretty strong faith, and it was a bulldog type of faith, that God said something, no matter how I feel, how I look, how what I imagine, I'm going to do it. You understand that? Why was he giving the keys? Why was he talking about it? And Peter wasn't the rock that was built upon, but that was allowed to be spoken to Peter. That could have been spoken to any of those other disciples, but he's sitting there telling Peter, let me tell you something that rock, that revelation, and you'll get a better understanding when the revelator comes inside, the Holy Ghost is given, but I'll tell you this much now. So you understand that that those things don't belong to you, those those complexes, those sicknesses, none of those things. And like I said about a prophet, he would tell you that that, that all sicknesses of the devil and that when these things come to you, it's the same thing as Satan walking up with a box of rattlesnakes To your house, saying Sam Webster, this is for you. See, it says your address, your name, your social security number, all the everything you might want to see. Maybe even looks like a doctor's report, and said this is for you. And you have to physically take it and say, "I guess this is mine." You ever had mail delivered to your house that didn't belong to you? Maybe your neighbors, maybe someone else far away, but it didn't belong to you, and you so always, I got to get that back to that person. If you're you know a good person. If it's trash, I mean, if it's like, you know, Ed McMahon and, you know, I like the ones, but anyway, but you understand that's a very natural type. This don't belong to me. I must give it to them. You were honest people here. We're not thieves sitting in this room this morning. You're not going to take something that's not yours. If you walk by a stack, of, a, a crate of $100 bills out there, you might see it and might want it, but you're not going to walk up and take it because you know it don't belong to you because you know, most likely if it's Satan's got you a pile of $100 bills, there's probably rattlesnakes all in it. Or they're laced with, um, with with kind of some kind of poison. Anything, it's always there's nothing good with Satan. He's not the one called giver of every good gift. That's not him. He's not described that way. He would be the, the one giver of every bad gift, of every bad gift. He'll get you. He'll con you, or trick you into trouble, and make you break the law. Then call the cops on you and lead them to your direction, where you're at. But when he gives you something, any sickness whatsoever, he gives you something. You have to take it and say, well, I guess that's mine. And they said, again, just as simply the way a prophet would make this statement that you don't have to take it. No different than standing at your door and the mailman stand there. Well, that obviously is not mine. I didn't order it. I didn't ask for it. I didn't claim it. And I'm sure not going to receive it. Now, that seems way too simple when it comes to sickness. Way too simple. Do you agree that seems way too? Anybody struggling with any sickness this morning, you would say that seems way too simple. Way too simple. But again, God's word is creative. And we've talked about the thoughts of God being eternal. Who is God? The thoughts of God are eternal. And if you're standing here this morning, a redeemed, predestinated son or daughter of God, it's because you were a thought of God in the beginning. And let me even go far to say before the beginning. Because we just now uh, stated a precedence if we were to prove our case that this was the beginning. It wasn't until the beginning that he created the heavens and the earth, but he existed long before there was ever beginning. He'll exist long before there's ever an end. So even before then, this one, this one we're trying to describe, that we're trying to explain about. And I shared this with you on Sunday about a picture that that a brother had mentioned and reminded me something Brother Branham said. And I've been dwelling on this for over a week now. This picture that God has taken of you at your best. Now, I understand that there are many that are here in this flesh that, that maybe when you were at 18, you weren't at your best. So so that being put aside, literally with him looking at you and saying, this was at your best, at your very best. He said, that's when I might have maybe kind of just so we can understand, took a snapshot of you at your best, 18 to 20, perfect prime of life. And I say that because there are others that probably had some health issues, at 18 to 20, that wasn't the perfect prime of life. But at your perfect part of life, God saw you and that was what he saw before the foundation of the world and that's what you're meant to mirror but then Satan puts his curse in and all that delineates all down through you and you bear that mark of that what it is and and we're sick this morning or we struggle this morning because of the mark of sin. But none of this matters when you're considering the only thing that's true and it's that picture of you. Now what grabs me so much about that is and 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 okay let's just let's just right now just focus on the physical part of that picture. Not even the spiritual part of that picture. The physical part of that picture shows you perfectly whole, perfectly well, no sickness whatsoever, no sickness whatsoever. Now, in this, I would kind of strain at the point to say that, that you know, again, our prophet taught about how that, that food was so hybridized in the last hundred years that if you were to eat corn or green beans or anything that you would eat as far as vegetables that you would imagine would be healthy today to eat vegetables, it, it, it's, as far as the nutritional content, it, it pales in such drastic comparison to what it would have been a hundred years ago. They've so hybridized it to have a bigger plant, bigger yield, bigger this, bigger this, bigger this. But in fact, it turns our body to mush. So if we were standing here today perfectly well in a 2022 body, perfectly well, but yet you've eaten the food of your life, of this life, of this world, your body is in fact so much weaker than it would be 100 years ago. That's just in the food you eat. See again, Satan wants to say, Well, you're healthy, you're fine. Why do you need a healer? You're healthy, you're fine. Why do you need a healer? That healer gets you back to that picture. See, a perfect body right now isn't good enough. It ain't what he wants for you. You're not gonna do you want to settle for a perfect body in this world as far as this world's idea, or do you want to look like that picture? And again, I'm just talking about the natural sight of the picture. I'm not talking about everything the spiritual ramification that holds in that redeemed, manifested, adopted son and daughter of God. I'm just talking about the physical aspect because we live in a physical realm. We have hands, we have skin, we have all these things, and we get sick, we get weak, we get down, we get discouraged, and that's where Satan battles us nonstop. So I, what's in my thoughts on that is that if we could take that heart of faith, and again, we'll— make it maybe to Matthew 13 today, and Jesus talking about the mustard seed and what that size would be. So the the tiniest, even the tiniest, and you can't see my through my fingers maybe at the moment, but the tiniest speck of faith inspired, encouraged, revealed to your heart right now in this moment And I mean the tiniest, couldn't get, you know, couldn't get a a scale, uh, a piece of paper through there. If you could lock on just the, the tiniest, weakest faith you have onto that picture, you would stand up right now perfectly whole. Again, sounds way too easy, don't it? Why does it sound too easy? It's because the lying con man has told you it don't work like that. So this is why we're in our subject of who is God. So we talked about the the um, the um, you know the, the physical aspects of being uh, chained down in complexes. I will hold that thought just a minute. I'll share this with you. Um, <coughs> I, I testified kneeling here uh, the Saturday night of our of our Labor Day meetings. I felt the Lord heal me of sinus infection. I felt it happen. I felt it happen. I know we did. But even since then, believing with that, Satan has put it on me harder than a ever did even then. He has powdered on harder even then. Now, two weeks later, i am still got drainage and things like that. And, and I know I was healed. I know it. Couldn't take that away from my mind if you were the greatest, sophist or talker there's ever been. I know I was healed sitting right here. But right now, my body is lying with drainage coming out of my head and my chest and my throat. My body is standing here lying to me. It's not true. What's true is what happened in the physical manifestation right there. This is not true. I shared this with you being in the prayer line last weekend that I had hurt my neck Thursday night driving back from the meetings. It tells you when you're getting old and just driving that you hurt your neck. You pull a muscle in your neck. And all I did was pull a muscle in my neck by driving. I wouldn't whiplash. I wouldn't erect. I just pulled a muscle in my neck. So then the rest of the weekend, my neck was just to even say amen was miserable. Well, just to say amen was miserable. But stand there in the prayer line praying for someone else, God healed my neck. So what I'm getting to on, on the complexes that's, that's put on you, um, I understand that, that not, not everyone here was, was born with a perfect revelation. And I'm raising my hand too. None of us was born with a perfect revelation we all born in this world, shaped in iniquity, come this world speaking lies, having lies spoke to you. If you were speaking lies, someone else was speaking lies to you too because a lie only has traction if it's got someone to can hear it. So when you think about in, this, in just this one tier of who is God, in your life, if it wasn't... Uh, 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 uh let's just say even a church that was strayed from the word, if it wasn't someone else you knew that it strayed from the word, if it wasn't a family member, uh, 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 you any of that in those parameters that that had taken a, a thought of God and had changed it from what he really is and then it was presented to you in such a way. And now your entire life, whether you're our youngest is three months, Three and a half months to our oldest, I think, is 71. Sister Charles not here today. So in that gambit and range of time, all the things that have been told you in your life about who God is, you follow me, about who God is. Um, and I shared that with you, that Brother Branham even made the statement his whole life until he met him for himself, that he said, I always thought God hated me, and Jesus loved me. God was mad at me, and Jesus loved me. If I Forgive me if I said that wrong. So his whole life that he thought that. Now this is someone that, that a voice had spoke to him ever since he was a young boy. This is someone that a pillar of fire came into the room at 5 a.m. on his birth. So if you think you've got struggles... And he's like, well, I ain't good enough. No, he's going after him at the same time. Satan's putting all these things on him to tell him God is this, God is this, God is this. And then when he finally does give his heart to the Lord and he starts to um, become a Christian and even starts to minister, other ministers that he knew and had such great confidence in were telling him, God, don't do that no more. God, don't do that no more. This is obviously demons and the devil that's doing this to you because God don't do that no more. They took the scripture and ripped out the pages they didn't like. It's just that, again, people would never say with their lips to their mouth, this is what I'm doing, but by their actions and by their fruit, it proves that's what they're doing. I don't like that verse. I don't like that verse. I don't like that verse. But a believer does what? They believe. They simply believe. So what I'm trying to say that I would imagine each one of us has a picture of God or some characteristic, or some attribute, or some personality trait, even still bouncing around in our psyche, or our subconscious, or our memory of those things that is not actually him? Could you perhaps agree with that this morning? Would you be able to be honest and agree with that? There is probably something in there that's left over from your birth date till now that is not this, that is not him. So to be able to prove, if we were to present a case, beyond the shadow of a doubt, who he truly is and what his purpose, plan, will, attribute for your life would be, would that be something you'd be interested in hearing? See, there's, there, we have several that have come to the messages the last this year along, and, and even Sister, I don't know if you know that, Sister Erica's mom, Sister Sherry, they watch every service, and her dad, Brother Ricky, does. Uh, they have even have made the statement being, as, as they've been witness to, of the message that I feel like I've been lied to my whole life. They made that statement. I feel like, sitting in a Baptist church, I've been lied to my whole life. It, it's true. If you take this whole book and quote it to someone backwards and forwards and only change one three-letter word, you've been lied to. It can't be that strict, can it? It's that strict. And again, things like many, so mean. What kind of a God would you serve that would be so strict over one three-letter word? It's one that won't want death in you. Because by one three-letter word, death coming in the human race. We're sitting here this morning with what you struggle with because of one person disbelieving a three-letter word. So if one word would pull away your image and your belief of God, what would believing the whole word do? I believe it will change your body. It will change your body. See, each one of us sit here this morning with different complex and personality uh, baggage, personal baggage that we have, that we we have to struggle with and press against. And and, and, and Paul would call it that sin which does so easily beset us, that Peter would would talk about and that Jesus would talk about it, maybe even as a stone of stumbling or, or, and I don't even mean as far as the the Christ and all the things like that, but but things that get into a Christian's walk that makes you stumble. Now, again, you're, you're not meant to be bound. If you can believe me on anything this morning, you're not meant to be bound, you're meant to be free. And again, the simplicity of our prophet, I shared that quote to you recently, how that, um, I can't remember if it's an invisible union or where it's at, that Brother Branham was talking about that little eagle that was raised in a chicken yard. And, And again, keep up because he's talking about you. He's talking about you, a little eagle that was raised in a chicken yard, because not all are seed. Not all are seed. And again, if we make it to Matthew 13 today, we'll prove that that an evil sower come behind the Lord Jesus sowing. And Matthew 13 proves that serpent seed right there behind. So there are those that are not seed, but there are those that are seed and that are meant to not live in a chicken yard. They're not meant to eat and dwell of the things of this world, of a mammon or things and pleasure of the world. But that doesn't satisfy that craving or that deep that's inside that longs and yearns for what you saw up there. He said that eagle, that babel eagle, looked up and saw that mama eagle way up in the sky, screaming and free. See, that grabs my heart in a way I can't explain. He said she was screaming and she was free. And of course, you you know that will remember Brother Ram talking about going to that zoo. Visiting Chicago or somewhere in Ohio, wherever it was at, and, and he saw they had an eagle you know, caged up in a zoo, and, and that eagle was just, look, he said, it broke my heart to see it, that it was had been caught by, uh, humans are smarter than eagles, so they have snares, they have a way to trap things, and it was able to trap that eagle and to put it in a cage, and was never meant to be, and he said, I wanted to, to buy it and be able to set it free, but it was captive, it was literally caged up, that bird was caged up, but it was meant for the heavens. It was meant for the heavens. Someone smarter than them, someone smarter than that eagle had captured it and held it down on earth. And It don't belong on this earth. It belongs up there. It belongs up there. And, and I'm not pointing to the stars. I'm not pointing to the sky, the stratosphere. I'm pointing toward heavenly places. Just so you keep up with my types this morning, I'm pointed toward heavenly places. Now, I've thought about a lot, even in my own life, different kind of struggles that, that takes my joy, that takes my peace. And, and I've shared with some of you that just in this last year alone, I've struggled with, even in my own self, in an anger, then, then, then the worst thing I feel like I've ever struggled in my life. I just get mad for no reason. And I understand it's warfare. I'm not disputing that. But, but what I'm trying to look at myself over, to examine myself, to see whether or not i be in the faith, to have God search me and cleanse me, to be that what gives that traction in my life where so it can grab hold and, and hold on and get traction. What gives that discouragement? What gives that anger? Any of those things, what gives it an an obstacle, an an entrance to me to have traction against me in my life? See, I want every door like that shut up. I want that door not just shut, but I want it torn out and filled in. Now, if you know what I mean by that, as a carpenter, uh, we've got a house now we're working on that's been added on to multiple times, and as we've gutted everything, you can see where the original exterior doors used to be. And they just went through and left the headers in, pulled the doors out, and just studded them in. (coughs) On our house, when we bought our house over here, they had in that right where our dining room is now, there was a big six-foot window, and right beside it, there was a a door that you could see it from the inside, but on the outside, they had just vinyl-sided right over the door, and it's left to be. They're trying to close it off. See, uh, as for me, back to that house that we're remodeling, I tear out a header, I tear out the cripples, and I stud back through, and we close it off as if there never was a door. I'm talking about complete restoration this morning. Complete restoration. I want to look like that if you were to go back and strip it all the way back down to the barest of substances, the barest of structure, the, the drywall of my heart. You with me? The drywall of my heart that you would see no place where a door should have been. It used to be. I want it all gone. I want a complete restoration, a complete redemption to be as though there never was a door there to start with. Door, window, opening, whatever Satan wants to get in at. Again, I know this is very simple this morning, but I'm trying to to describe what God has done to me, pressing toward the ability to always overcome. Always overcome. I don't mean one good day and 12 bad days. I don't mean a song service like we just had here and just a worship service like the Lord moving like that and then three months just as dry and barren as can be. I'm talking about something real right now. And I've told you that about in my revelation of the message and what, what God has allowed me and his mercy to Sam Parker to be that, that I was raised in the message. I've been raised since the half hour of silence. That's I was born in the presence of the Lord. I've been born in the rising of the sun. But even though I had that, and that's what I've ever known, there are still things that I struggle with and, I, and, I, and, I, and I, that I twist it or maybe knock me down. And I want to know how to take that revelation and put it into such a practical use to where he can't knock me down no more in no way, shape, or fashion. And by he, I mean the enemy. I understand we're in a sticky flesh. I understand where there will be struggles until the day we leave. I get that. I'm not, I am not. I know of a brother that said, I wish for the realm would never said that because it ain't true. I do believe it's true. I, I'm, I'm the most humanist person in the room. But I believe that a life completely surrendered to that quickening power of the Holy Ghost will change you day by day, day by day into his image. And I got, I've used that analogy of a coal oil lamp. If you've ever seen a coal oil lamp that's meant to be just clear glass, get blacked up and sooted up through uh, not the proper burn. Let's say it like that, not a proper burn. Meant to burn a certain way it burns all the soot off and all the junk off of it. Because you could maybe be standing here as a Christian and you're meant to shine your life. And maybe there's parts over here that's really blacked up. Really, maybe it parts back here, and you're not shining out back there. Maybe you're only shining out a little bit here. I want something to clean it out so much that I only shine him. Uh, and, and are you with me in that this morning? So, as we walk through this, and I understand, and I tell you, if you believe me, that the Lord had put that on my heart to share that who is this Melchizedek with you. I, in that, I believe that every Old Testament manifestation, Uh, Every Old Testament manifestation of God is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what I believe. I know there are many people that do not believe that. I, and I was just kind of doing some just some uh, very light research into what others teach and what others believe. And, and I'm not saying the message. I'm just saying in other, um, you know, even to when you do just a broad search in certain things, they'll they'll leak when you're talking about who God is. They'll go as far back as a Christian, a, 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 a Jewish, a Hebrew, or a Muslim. And that's how they'll go back so far. Because even the Muslims, when I had a friend of mine that was a history teacher years ago over in, one of those countries that when he was able to teach um, English, he was, um, I don't remember what he was, um, Iranian or something like that. He was able to teach English to uh, Muslim speaking, um, you know, uh, as far as other people. And in the process of that, he also was able to teach different classes on histories of the Quran, histories of Muslimism. I always say that wrong, but um, so in, in that same clean where their origins where they got to be able to build their foundation so in in, in that uh, that first century in, in in the AD is that gospel is spreading out and it's branching out you imagine if you were living you know uh, you know 2000 years ago and that you're living in a, in a town or a country or a community not near Jerusalem and this truth comes to you this testimony because Mark 16 was for them too, go y'all to the world and preach the gospel and this gospel comes to you and they're sitting there and they're like you know what that actually sounds pretty good but I don't like everything I'm hearing so let me only take this part and this part and then we'll start our own religion because of what we heard so say and, and that's That's being an honest statement. That's what they did. Because if you go back through the Quran, they have Allah speaking to Moses out of the burning bush. Then you just keep tracing where they took Elohim or Ella and they changed him to Allah and they don't have him as the same person. So even the way they present in their Bible, the way that they present Allah, and I'm just talking about the Muslims for a moment, the way that they present Allah, it's not a loving, kind, merciful God. From what I've read, that it's just about as mean and as vile and as evil as a person could be, which is interesting because uh, looking at another person's, uh, they they give a... um, a way to witness or a way to describe or a way to illustrate to an atheist or to someone that doesn't believe in God. They said that the most common argument from an atheist or someone that doesn't believe in God, they'll come to you tell you, how can you believe in a God that, that is so mean, that has killed this many people, that put all these people, they're talking about things in the Old Testament that was done. How can you believe or serve a God that would do such a thing? And their, their response was, wait a minute, what are we talking about? You don't even believe he exists. So if he doesn't exist, he didn't do those things. So what are you so mad about? And they're like, well, you know, but, and I shared that with you about another man that had, he'd had been asked to speak at a, um, atheist convention, whatever you would call that him being a Christian preacher, they asked him to speak at an atheist convention. And they said, and he gets up there, he said, I understand that you want me to give a presentation on Christ and Christianity. He said to introduce to you or the way I believe it, along those lines, he said, but in reality, you don't want me to stand here and convince you that God is real. You don't have a problem that God is real. You just don't like the God that there is. Now, that's speaking to someone that just so blatantly would say there is no God. And that's a true statement. We don't like the God that there is. I might mean we by we, but there's that they don't like the God that there is. So that's in the furthest reach of that spectrum, someone that won't claim God. And you would think I would obviously I can see that for someone like that I can see someone way out there in the in the bushes that don't believe that God's real but but they really do they just don't want to serve Him and do what it requires. Now give that a little bit closer to your spectrum. You take an organization or denominational uh, of a supposed and I hate this phrase Christian that 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 says that I am Christ I am this and if you were to be able to discern and look at their heart they would have the same response as they won't take all the word. And they would even stand up and debate and tell, tell you, there's other people that won't take all the word. But they're right. They, they don't take the word you take and you won't take the word they take and it's just non-stop. It's just banter back and forth. There's no life there. But to prove a God who is long-suffering, who is merciful, who is kind, and most importantly, who is present. Very present. Ever-present. Ever-present means always present. So, if he's truly this way, if he truly is long-suffering, and, and there is such a, um, a paradox to the mercy and grace of God and who his actual character is and, and to, the, to who would be uh, even to, um, to the redeeming, List that he has, so those names that are on that list, that Lamb's Book of Life, to where you would take it, you have the, the Book of Life, then you have the portion that's the Lamb's Book of Life, it's one book, Brother Randall even said that it looks like in certain places it's two books, he said, but it's actually one book, the Lamb's Book is the back part of it, and that's where the seals were, on the back put of the bargain, the back part of the Book of Life, a lot of P's and B's in there. You have the general minutes. You have the general admittance of when this person was born, and this is where they did this, and they did this, and they did this. And, and, and the prophet would tell you even about that day of judgment that, that you'll come to. And I, and I didn't realize that other people believe the same, other religions believe the same thing about the day of judgment, that you'll be able to see at that day of judgment everything you've done, good or bad. I thought it was just a message that people that believe that. I didn't realize that. So you'll come before them on that day, and I even shared that with you, what Matt told me this past week, that most people that he grew up around, that they taught that it wasn't necessarily a white throne judgment, but a white throne condemnation, that there is no appeal. There is no, uh, once you go there, there's only one way to go, and that's down. That's not true. I read that to you Wednesday night. Scripture proves that's not true. There are those that are granted eternal life at the white throne judgment. Anybody believe that this morning? Granted, eternal life at the white throne judgment. There are those that are cast out into darkness at the white throne judgment. Both of those things happen at the white throne judgment. So, this is true where most people don't teach that but it's still a part and, and we've had a question about those that never, um, never knew Christ yet died without knowing Christ such as even maybe the American Indians or any place else in the world that were born born, lived, raised, lived and died without ever knowing Christ will they have a way into heaven and most people teach no no way see I'm talking about who God is the scripture teaches, he would that none would perish. He would that none would perish. So how do we qualify those two statements? How do we get to a balance? Because, again, you have this, that that that, that uh, those that are foreordained, that are predestinated, that are called, elected, redeemed, that are always were on the plan of God, always were on the thoughts of God, that redeemed son and daughter of God, whose name is in that Lamb's book of life. How do you qualify that with I've always hated Esau. Before he ever was born, before he did anything good or bad, he said, I hated him. How do you qualify John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that he so on him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Who do you qualify that with? Esau, I've hated. How do you qualify that with? Hell was not made for man, but for Lucifer and his angels. How do you qualify this? That the scripture says that hell has had to enlarge itself. Hell had to enlarge itself. So if hell was this big, it's had to be added on to hell because of how many Satan can take with him. How do you qualify that? There are those. You want, let's just go right to Matthew 13. I'm getting ahead. So I don't know how long this will take. I pray you have patience with me in this Matthew chapter 13. Let's just start right there at verse 14. Matthew chapter 13. Now, uh, again, I like to always look at the beginning. I, look, look, I like to look, anytime I'm looking in the scripture, I, I want to balance from what he said before to what said is after. So I don't ever like to just zero serial on one thing, then back away. You can easily make a mistake. I, I like to get a... A, a good picture of everything that we're reading so as we're starting in the middle of 14 verses into this that he's, he's been talking about he's giving them parables and he's speaking to them in parables and in this chapter alone I should have counted how many parables he gives because it's just literally one after the other, and he's explaining something to them. And if you're standing there, you're just kind of halfway listening, and you're just like, that makes no sense. With this makes no sense, and that makes no sense. But if you can step back and look at him as a whole, you're like, he said the same thing there that he said there. He's saying it all these different ways so you won't miss it. And But when you see these things, and you read upon them, and you come apart, he gets a lot more precious and a lot more real than you ever imagined. Because if we were to read these scriptures with God sitting on the throne like Zeus with a lightning bolt, ready to strike you down for the first time you make a mistake, to burn you with hellfire as soon as you make a mistake, and you start reading this verse with this thought and this idea of who God is, you're going to get a totally different uh, um, uh, um, uh, consumption of what you're reading than what truly is there. (coughs) I share that with you to Wednesday night about all my life, that white throne judgment, when he said, because you didn't, and because you didn't, and because you didn't, and then to the sheep, because you did, and because you did, and because you did. And they asked him, when did we do these things? All my life, I thought it said, you did these things to my bride or to me. He didn't say that. He said, under the least of these. Start right there in paragraph, uh, in, uh, verse 14, chapter 13, verse 14. And in them is fulfilled the prophet Isaiah, which saith, By hearing you shall hear, and shall not understand. And seeing you shall see, and shall not perceive. Seeing you won't see, hearing you won't hear. What does that tell you this morning? That you're not listening with just these ears. You're not seeing with just these eyes. That even into believe in the Scripture, you've got to slide yourself into that portrait, because that's that theophany, that's that revelation, and you can't access those things in your, feet, your 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 fleshly coil. You must be able to slip into that dimension where that revelation comes from. Stay with me this morning, and now and hold that in your thoughts. So let me even say that to you as far as what it means to move from the fourth to the seventh to what that even means to be able to gain access to the Holy Holies, And Ephesians tells us we have gained access. You, you still with me? So even down to our worship service this morning, our worship service, you might have been sitting here thinking, man, I just wish you'd be done. I wish you'd get over with. I don't like that song. I wish we'd have sung that song. Or I could have been anywhere else where this showed up right at the time the Scripture start." Yet the same person standing right beside you, breathing the same air you're breathing, almost bumping you with their same limbs, are in a different dimension than you are. Their spirit is in a different dimension. Isn't that amazing? So I'll say this again. In them was fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing you shall hear, and shall not understand. Seeing you shall see, and shall not perceive. So listen to this. For this people's heart, this people's heart, which heart would that be? That would be a heart full of unbelief. Don't believe that God is God. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing. Their eyes, they have closed, lest at any time, you read that with me, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and that, you'll notice, is italicized in your Bible, written differently than the verse above it. With their eyes, and here, again, italicized with their ears, and should understand with italicize their heart. What's the difference? And should be converted. And I should heal them. Now I've shared that with you a, a testimony of a man that had come before Brother Branham, and it said that um, I, I want to, uh, I want to be saved. I want to give my heart to God. I want to turn from my way of the world. And I want to walk toward God. I want to live for the Lord. And he tells Brother Brown a testimony about how that he was working as a car salesman, and he's sitting in his desk one day, and this man comes in and, and gives him a little pamphlet about uh, living for the Lord Jesus and knowing the Lord Jesus and walking with the Lord Jesus. And, and he said, before that, I wasn't necessarily a really bad guy, but, but I wasn't a good guy either. He said, and I, I picked this thing up. He said, and something grabbed my heart, and, and I wanted to live that way. And now, ever since then, I've been wanting to be filled with the Holy Ghost and my life be changed. And, and he said, Brother Brown, he said, when can this happen? When can this happen? Brother Rabbi said, you're in your own testimony. You just told me when it happened. What does it mean to be converted? I'm walking this way, and now today I'm walking this way. So there's even different qualifications, and we'll get into that in deeper into this chapter, um, to what it means to be turned, to be converted, to now, as you're walking this way of the kingdom, and you're walking this way, which Christ is the only way, as you're walking this straight and narrow way, where no fool can enter therein, as you're walking this way, there are still those that walk it that are 30 fold, 60 fold, and 100 fold. There are those that are walking this way as their heart, in the smallest, slightest movement, has been turned from that way to this way. So, as all this concrete of sin and Satan's lies poured out upon them. Now, I use the word concrete because if we were to uh, take in, put us a concrete walk over here to the little nature walk back there. There's grass in between there. There's grass seed in the soil. We used to come through and scoop up the current grass, pour concrete right on top of that. So now sun can't get to it, water can't get to it, but that seed is still there. And eventually that seed will grow out the side of that concrete and come up on the edge. It don't matter if that's a 5-inch slab or a 25-foot-tall slab. That seed will come to light. And others teach that if you don't come to light immediately, you're not a seed of God. It's not true. That's You see, there is a time to judge, and there's not a time to judge. You never judge after the flesh. Malachi talks about, make sure it's Malachi, when they return, when they return, they're able to discern from the righteous and from the wicked, from those that serve the Lord and those that don't serve the Lord. There's a balance there. So that life that's turned toward the Lord, you have those that will be a hundredfold, that in my mind, that at the very least, they'll be making a pretty steady different pace. And then you think about someone that is 60-fold, maybe not walking quite as good. And then in my thoughts, maybe someone's 30-fold, just maybe dragging her feet and look really wobbly, like a a one-year-old starting to walk and just, you follow me? Because natural always types of spiritual, and it's so easy in our own thoughts and our saying to put a criticalness in our mind. Well, you didn't come right to it, or you're struggling with this, or why are you struggling with this? And, and there's so much against a person. And the prophet would even say this, that don't say nothing against a man. He's got so much against him already. All of hell is against you this morning. So let's say, for example, I pick some armor, I pick Brother Elias. All of hell is against Brother Elias. He stood up and testified Wednesday night that Satan tried to kill him, tried to kill him and his dad, and God stopped it. So when, when Elias went to bed the next day, and that night he got up the next day, Satan's plan was still to kill him. All day long, as Elias worked his day and did around, Satan's plan was still to kill him. When he laid down that night, it was still Satan's plan to kill him destroy all that he is so why should we be critical to each other and again it, it ain't from the Lord that critical spirit is not from the Lord that is straight up from Satan that's out of the pits of hell and that's something that I've struggled with. And again, when you have these complexes, because you know, Satan's constantly attacking every single person sitting here, even as right now, as these words are coming forth, Satan is attacking each one of you, trying to bring up something that was said before, something you remember from before, something that just is never thought of years in the past, pops up right now, trying to be attacking you to keep you, that way you know, trying to remind you of these chains or complexes that are on you, that way you'll do this. I don't like that one. I don't like that. That. that, 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 that. You understand? This is how your warfare looks. Now, I, I and I've shared this with you, even as I read, even as I read the scripture or I listen to the message, that, that I'll be reading along, and I'll know in my spirit I'm about to hit something really good. I can feel it in my spirit. And again, my spirit can't read. My spirit can't look at the pages, but my spirit knows the word of God. So I feel myself coming to something, and immediately my mind will be so distracted I'll have read two or three chapters and not even know what I read. And I'm thinking, what just happened? What what just happened? And I'll have to go back, and I'll sit there, and I'll have to make myself. And he'll still fight me four and five and six times that I have to shut it all out and almost letter by letter by word by word until it comes to him. like, I see what he's saying. At least in one little bit I was allowed to grasp. It's the same way for me listening to a tape. I'll hear something that Brother Brown will say, and I'll go over and I'll stop and I'll back it up. And as soon as I go back it up to listen to it again what I didn't miss, what I'd miss, here comes every little thing. Someone will run in the room, some will fall, some will this, some all these different things. A plane or a helicopter will fly over really low to my house right then, being very loud, so I can't listen to what I'm wanting to listen to. This is your enemy too. Maybe he's never done this to you before. But he's out to steal, kill, and destroy. So when you understand what your enemy is, you know how to fight. He said, Lest they should be converted and I should heal them. That picture is completely restored, completely redeemed, completely healed. He said, But the Lord Jesus said, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. He goes on to say, For verily, which means surely, surely, which you pay attention, listen to what's about to be coming. I say unto you, so if you were listening to anything I said this morning, your ears should be tuned in on this. He said, verily I say unto you, this is the Lord Jesus, that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them and to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. Uh, it's just another church service. Uh, it's just another worship service. We just go in we'll get out. And, and, and this was 2,000 years ago. This is before the opening of the seals. And this is what the, the, the book of life, this is what the, the creator of life, the author of life, the tree of life, this is what he's saying. That those that were before. And even Hebrews makes that very clear. It goes to the hall of faith about this person, about this person, and by this person, and by this person. It gets down to the very last of the chapter and it says, They without us can't even be made perfect. And you're thinking, Am I a part of that us? You're a part of that us. They without us cannot even be made perfect. Hear ye, therefore, the parable of the sower. <clears throat> when anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, you, you I hope you can really focus on this. Because the kingdom is life of God. It is, it is, it is the new birth, it is the it, it is that heavenly place. It's that Shekinah glory. It's that holy, holy. It, it's, it's, it's pure life, walk, communion with Him. So when He's telling you these things, let these really resonate in your heart. When anyone heareth, And he just made a very distinct notation of those who hear but don't hear and those that hear and will understand. So which one are you this morning? When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, and you should say, that's my home. That's where I'm from. uh, Tell me more about home. Tell me more about home. I got nothing else to do, no place else to be. Tell me more about home. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. But he that receives the seed in the stony places, the same is he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it, or immediately with joy receives it. Yet hath he no root in himself, but endureth, or dureth for a while, for when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word. Didn't Jesus tell the disciples of John, Blessed are he who is not offended in me. Same as he that heareth the word, and with joy, and anon with joy receiveth it, yet hath he not ruined himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he's offended. He also that receives seed among the thorns as he that, <coughs> excuse me, that heareth the word, and the, <coughs> excuse me, care of this world, the care of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches. Choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. You ever tried to share something with someone, and I mean anyone, share something with somebody, and they were so uh, wrapped up in whatever they were doing that they couldn't, you you knew even in your spirit that they weren't getting what you were saying? Anybody? Now, the cares of this life and the cares of pleasures and riches of life, you know, and you think about how much more success Satan has had with that exact phrase in our day. You know, when this was written, when this was recorded 2,000 years ago, people weren't on their smartphones, scrolling through their emails, their text messages, their Instagram, their, you name it, playing games or any of those things. Like, I, I had it for a while, I was struggling playing with uh, solitaire. I like to play solitaire every morning, and, and I used to say, well, it gets my, my brain awake and helps me to, to wake up, And but I realized that I was turning that into an idol with something as silly as solitaire. If you just change that with the Word of God and look to the Word spend that much time, but, but that's something I struggle with, the Lord's helped me with that. But even in our day, just as simple. For example, Brother Ram talked about having a TV in your home and how he said that I was told not to have one, and he said that if I had one, I'd take a shotgun I'd blast it out of my house. That's what he said. And I'm not disputing that. And I've, that's something that we have struggled with growing up. There's been many years growing up in, our, in my mom and my dad's house that we struggled with it. We did. We didn't have it. We were um, thinking about it. this is silly, so this will make you laugh. As a legalist, you, you couldn't have a TV, uh, but two months out of the year, you can only have one at Thanksgiving time and at Christmas time. This was in our little strict legalist corner of Nutbush, Tennessee. So you could have one for Thanksgiving and for Christmas, and there was some, some really straining at nats how many days before Thanksgiving, how many days after that. Now, you couldn't have any other time. You will go to hell if you have any other time. You will go to hell. You understand, you will go to hell. But those two times of the year, and in those two times of the year, you, you, we, you, we'd almost have to use toothpicks to keep our eyes open because it never got shut off. I used to joke about my uncle. When my my uncle, they would go to the movie gallery or the, I I only saw them in the movie gallery when I thought about this. They'd walk out with video cassettes. We're pretty good size. They'd have sacks of video cassettes. Sacks. I mean, like you think you live in a grocery store. I got to get caught up and everything to come out. Got to get caught up. And they would never turn it off. Watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it. They'd come to the Thanksgiving dinners and everybody just, same thing at Christmas time. But you'll go to hell if you have any other time. Zero balance. Zero balance. And I've shared that with you a lot least be a lot of time. It wasn't just my other cousin. There's times you find me in a Walmart sitting there watching TV because I was addicted to it. I didn't even have one. And we struggle with that over time. So again, I I understand it's a struggle. So a lot of people like to hold so tight to what he said about a TV, but they don't ever look at their tablet or their phone. See the TV back then when he said that only had what, maybe four channels at best? You only had episodes like I Love Lucy, I Love Susie, uh, maybe PBS, maybe it was around, I don't know if PBS was around in the 50s when he said it. But regardless, nothing on that compares to what's on your phone right now. Not compares. That when he said that then, that if, if you were to say that was the wimpiest, tiniest, little, defeatedest demon there's ever been that was a TV then, his great-great-great-great-great-great-grandson makes Goliath look like a shrimp walking around on your phone. And it captures how much of your day? To be honest, how much of your day does it capture? Now, I, everything, there's a balance. I'm not disputing that. There's a balance there. With I, I use a tablet for my notes. I use a phone for making phone calls, for business, for emails, for texts, and different things like that. There is a balance there. But there's too many times I, Sam Parker, go the wrong way with that and I waste time, and I waste time, and I waste time. But he didn't prophesy about a cell phone, but he told us about it in its infancy, what it would come into. Uh, even, for example, what he said about the Beatles and with their hair, the way they would cut their hair. And you think about I thought about this a lot. If I'd have been standing there in the 60s when he made this statement, I would have thought, man, that's kind of, kind of strict. But I'm not a prophet, so I don't have the ability to look forward to what the seed of something is. For example, if you had a seed, um, if you didn't know what it looked like, and you had a seed of some type of poison, and you had it in your hand, and it didn't become poison until it was planted and raised up, and you're like, I'm going to plant that in my garden. That's going to be great. And you don't know what it is. You're like, that's going to be fine. It'll be fine. I'll feed it to my animals. I'll feed it to my kids. And never know that it was poison. But you had someone to come along and knew what it was. He said that they take and they, they cut their hair to where it comes down over their eyes and that hair comes out over their eyes, it's a form of um, of rebellion. It's a form of rebellion. And then it's seen is rebellion is also akin to witchcraft. The Bible teaches you that. And so you think back then, that can't be that. But then you watch their life get worse and worse and worse and worse, and everything that comes out, you're like, it was seen back then in its infancy. Uh, Again, maybe us walking by would say that couldn't have been that bad. But now you look at its fruit today. It's not just four trees, whatever they were, four beetles, it's everywhere you look today and makes them look just as innocent as can be. But that was the seed of it. That was the seed of it. Interesting, isn't it? We're talking about someone sowing seed. But that root, that that he has no root. He couldn't get a root. And again, so uh, I love that that you always have a positive and a negative. You want the seed of God to have root in your heart. You do not want a seed of the enemy to have root in your heart. That The scripture describes that as a root of bitterness. A root of bitterness. And it also says a root of bitterness, by a root of bitterness, that many are defiled. Many. It ain't just you. Well, this is just my problem. I and mean, I just have a problem with this. No, it goes from there to there to there to there to there. Roots grow. So he also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word in the care of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, choke the word the word. Have you ever felt that and you're dealing with this world? Be honest with yourself. You ain't going to raise your hands, but you ever felt dealing with something in this world that so took your attention and took your time that it choked your time with God? Honestly. And you don't have to say this out loud. I I can guarantee I could raise my hand up that I've done something that, that I would spend more time on and it would choke the word and becomes unfruitful. But, verse 23, he that receiveth seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth. So it bears fruit and it brings forth. Think about how that's worded. It bears fruit and it brings forth. Um, he that receives seed in the good ground is he that heareth the word understandeth it which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some a hundredfold some sixty some thirty another parable put he forth unto them saying the kingdom of heaven again your home is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field but while men slept interesting how those scripture words this you think Jesus would throw words out he didn't mean to say oh man I wish I wouldn't have worded it that way But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade or the crop or the wheat sprung up, it brought forth fruit. Then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder, householder, (laughs) that's interesting, came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field from whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together. Listen to this order. Gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles. First, the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them. Now, I don't remember the exact scripture off the top of my head, but if you remember in, oh my goodness, is it in Kings, where uh, the Lord asked, who will go deceive? Uh, is it Ahab? And a slimy thing come up out of the pit of hell. Am, I, am I, I'm I off from my scripture there. Uh, some slimy thing come up, and he said, I'll go. You, you at least get an idea of what I'm talking about. This slimy thing said, I'll go deceive him. And through the mouths of his false prophets, they kept telling him anything he wanted to hear, anything Satan wanted to say. There's another scripture that says, and I wish I just thought of it, that says, set a wicked man in his head. Set a wicked man at his head. So how could these these tares be gathered? Well, you know, a lot of folks think, well, if they're serpent seed, that they're probably some kind of dinosaur creature, some kind of, you know, Neolithic thing, some uh, this barbarian thing lives in a cave somewhere. That's not what the scripture teaches. They're sitting in churches. They were very religious. Cain was very religious. Cain was very religious. Jesus talking to the Pharisees. He told them, you're of your father, the devil. And they look, all of a sudden, they make the weirdest, most offhand remark, we're not born of fornication. He's like, I wouldn't, he, he, you would think, you said, wait a minute, did he just question how you were born? No, they knew what he said. They had no doubt what he said. They told him, we're not serpent seed. We are not serpent seed, but they're sitting there calling the tree of life. They're calling the tree of life, Satan. The tree of life. So you see that the religious. So that tells you that they're sitting in churches. There are those that are just natural brute beasts that are made to be taken and destroyed. There's there's nothing uh, in them to, to to even want anything with God. I understand that the scripture gives that, but there are many of those that are sitting in a church. How many? Churches, if you had to guess, are in just the United States right now at this moment. That'd be a big number. How many of them do you think are that have a wicked man at their head that are biting the tares? Do, Do you see what I'm saying? That they're biting the tares. Who are the reapers? They were sent to bind them. If an angel is a lot of times typed as a ministering spirit and he's talking to the angels and they also have times that they're to blind. They're to blind. You understand that? So that are sitting there with those wicked men that are sitting there they are to blind them and it, what it does, it binds them. This is supposed to be done first before the rapture or at the very least going on during until the going. All the while. And you, you'll find, um, you can look it up Brother Branham has said that even after the bride is gone, the rapture has happened. Uh, and you know how he typed that word? That this is, is a type of Joseph with his wife. When Joseph went to his brethren, his wife was not there. She was safe in the palace. Safe in the palace. So when we're at the marriage supper, we have that three and a half years of marriage supper, he'll slip away. Now this will be after he's walked down the table, wiped the tears from your eyes, and said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joys of the Lord. This is after that, that he will kind of just slip away, and he'll go back to the the brethren of the Jews, those 144,000, 12,000 from each tribe of the 12 tribes, and he will go to them, and he will show them the nails in his hands, and they'll see him, and they'll love him. What a different response. They'll see him and they'll love him before they even see the scars. You realize that it words it that way, before they see the scars, they see him and they love him. And then upon examining him, they see the scars. Where did you get these scars? He said, in the house of my brethren. Another parable he put forth. Um, The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds, but when it's grown, it's the greatest among herbs, and becometh a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. Again, a parable spoken by the tree of life about a tree that grew from a seed that now, because it exists, because it's healthy, because its arms are exposed. You, know, you ever seen a tree bound down in chains? So, but you have seen trees, I said, for like a weeping willow that's all down, and, and, and I don't know what happened in there, but most trees that look healthy are stressed up like so. So you got a picture of a good tree in your head, or maybe a great bait tree that, that's planted beside the waters of life, and it's drawing its sustenance and its life from the waters of life. And, and so now you can see that tree that now has birds and fowls of the air in it. Come and lodge in the branches thereof. It was the least of, but now it's the greatest of. The least in the kingdom of heaven become the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, all from a tiny seed. Do you see the depth of this parable? The least became the greatest, all from the tiniest of seeds. What was the seed? But because of that seed, it is now a tree upon the earth that others can partake of and find rest. Are we supposed to be us four no more? Are we supposed to lock these doors so no one else can come in here while we have service? Are we supposed to shut ourselves down and not let anyone else partake of that fruit of the tree of life? Interesting, isn't it? Uh, Another parable. (coughs) Another parable spake he unto them. The kingdom of heaven, and I love this one. This is one verse. Another parable spake he unto them. The Lord Jesus, talking about heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. Three measures. A woman took three measures, and because that leaven was put in, inserted, grafted in, placed there by it, other sons could come forth. Can you see the parable? That a woman, Mary, was took that seed of God, that leaven, that kingdom, that life of God, that 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 Zoe life of God into her, because she took it, it was hid into the human race, hid in a body, hid, and then just to show you that it was a seed after 3 days rose again. And even made a proof to you so you understand that they come to him, the Philip. They come to Philip, the Greeks come to Philip, and they said, sirs, we would see Jesus. And again, I always tell this to you, he made it the most strangest remark. He said, we would see Jesus. He said, except the corn of the wheat die and go back in the ground, no corn can come back. And they're thinking, I just don't understand. He's like, you'll understand later. You'll understand later. Unless I die and pay the price so you can be entered into that holiest of holies, unless that happens, that because I am the son in that sonship, in that vehicle, in that way that we can gain access, the captain of our salvation, it has now opened up an access to where others can come through. And what comes through? The kingdom of heaven. Upon the good seed. The kingdom of heaven. What is the kingdom of heaven? What makes it heaven? I I say this all the time. What makes it heaven? Wherever he is. That makes, would you describe that? If you were to say that, well, you know what, uh, let's just find whatever you would say the most beautiful place on the planet, whether you're a beach person, whether you're mountains and hills person, whatever it might be, and you were there in the most beautiful place there ever was, you have plenty of food to eat, the best water, the best temper, whatever it is you like, but Satan is buffeting you constantly, would you classify that as heaven? I wouldn't either. That one might want to call it hell. But if you're there, even in the, you know, just in a pile of muck, even if you're in the bottom of a pond, in the deepest of the sea, and you're sitting there, but you have the joy of God in your heart, and you feel his presence like we have here in this place, what would you classify that? That's heaven. What makes it heaven? He, God, the Lord Jesus Christ, is what makes it heaven. See, that? I, I, I come across that one verse, and that stopped me in my tracks how that he was inserted in. And you think about just the natural thought of this. So you're telling me that someone can take the kingdom of heaven, and we'll call it leaven, will take the kingdom of heaven, and we will put it in this meal, and now it's all the kingdom of heaven. You take, that sounds contagious. That sounds contagious to you? That if, if you let that kingdom of heaven touch others, that it make them kingdom of heaven. That's beautiful to me. That is just it. And it just got done telling you about a tree standing there like this. Letting others come and rest in it. Come rest. If he says, come unto me all you that are laboring heavy laden, I will give you rest. Will she say anything different? She'll look like him, sound like him, smell like him, taste like him in every way. Because, he is him. Is that not just amazing? All of these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables. And without a parable spake he not unto them. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet saying, this was from Psalms. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. I will utter things. And we'll stop right there. We're already 10 minutes to 12. if musicians will come. He said, I will utter things. I will utter things. So when you get to that verse and you hear what the Bible is telling you, that what you've read is not some random generalization of words strung together, but he's telling you a template, a path, a way of access that your mind never once conceived. had had you ever thought before this that you could take the kingdom of heaven and infect others with the kingdom of heaven and the word infect is always thought to be a very negative sense but our minds can easily grab what an infect means so it's easy to use that word so whatever the positive use of that word would be I would insert it here now I just don't know it It would make my mind grab just the same thought, that you could take the kingdom of heaven, which is the life of God, which is the new birth, which is the Holy Ghost, and infect others with it. If we were to jump to Acts 2, we can give you a visible proof, a visible proof of what happened. 120 walk out with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, with the new birth, and 3,000 said, I want that. I want that. Let's stand They said, I want that. Who is God? grateful people as we stand here lord having ears that can hear and eyes that can see what a precious and wonderful sight you are lord how beautiful you are how how magnificent how magnificent we find of thee lord lord in all of our lives and all of our searchings lord and everything that we've done before Nothing compares to you, Lord. Nothing compares to the presence that you have so enriched and saturated our life with, Lord. Nothing compares to that that, that life of you that's replaced our own life to where it's not us that live anymore, Lord, but it's you. Lord, I thank you for your goodness to your people. Lord, as we stand in this place, Lord, redeemed, restored, adopted sons and daughters of God, Lord, what blessed people we are. No reason at all to be down, no reason to be sad, no reason to be discouraged. Let our sights, let our hopes, let all that was in us be be set upon that mark, that prize that lies before us, Lord. It's that that kingdom of where we're headed, Lord. We get to take a lot of it with us, and uh, we get to take a lot of others with us, Lord. We won't just go by ourselves, Lord God, but give us many souls, Lord, to bring to you have mercy upon these people today. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for changing us. Thank you, Lord, for the the ability to live today, that our lungs work, that our mind come online when we woke up this morning. Many didn't even wake up today. Many didn't draw a breath today, Lord. It's your grace and it's your mercy that we're still alive, and we thank you for that, Lord, And, and, and for the purpose that we're alive. It's not to do our own thoughts, our own wills, our own ways. Just to work a job, just to drive a car, just to pay a bill, just to work our garden, just to work in our yard, just to do anything, Lord. But it's it's to live each second in your service, pleasing you, Lord, wherever you'd have us to go, whatever you'd have us to say. We love you so much, Lord. We appreciate your mercy to us. And we give you all the glory, Lord, in your name. attack in every way or avenue uh, that he can come at, Lord. To but he's defeated. Me. Satan's defeated. We rebuke you. We defy you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, oh, you are under her feet. Lord, you your have no place
1: in her life. Get your hands up. Lord Jesus, I thank you all for all the
0: blessings you pour uh, out upon my sister. Life is not easy. Life is not just something that just a picnic or a flowery bed of easy. The, uh, the, there's a lot of trials and character-building moments that we must walk through. Lord, it means to, to stand in this day to, to prove that she's a daughter of God, oh, but her life does that. Weakness, Lord, I pray that you would so strengthen her, Father, Lord, that you, would, that you would slip in right now and give her peace Redeem
1: and a comfort, Lord, that,
0: that it would set in her heart on fire greater
1: than it's wrong. ever been before. Lord, let her believe you and oh, trust you and, and, and let her see you in her of life, my Lord, greater than ever before in every, and every oh. test and every trial and every Sing firelight moment. Oh God, your presence. There, Lord. There's a lot of discouraging things that go away with you. Survive. Your presence to is what me. saturates us, Lord. You're not a God that, that comes down and goes away, or comes down and goes away, Lord. Oh, you're right Lord, here, Lord. Every step of her life, every beat of her heart. Lord. I pray you would help, her, Lord. help her family, help her husband, God. Lord.
0: Help her son, help her daughter, help her son in law, Lord. God bless her family, Lord. Let those blessings all her family, every Lord, in which way she your Lord, have mercy upon her Lord. Let all that know her and all that see her, Lord, be able to look and see this adopted, redeemed daughter of God. Bless her life, Lord. Heal her body, encourage her heart and her mind and her spirit.